Over the last 12 months, wool harvesting has received even more attention than usual. Shearing was significantly delayed in many places and for many wool growers. State borders were often closed. There were no New Zealand shearers travelling to Australia and it also brought into sharp focus the state of many wool sheds. It all led to the crisis discussion in late last year and you can hear about that back in episode 159. But today, positive news. We hear about the significant silver linings from COVID for the shearing industry. Welcome to The Yarn, the number one wool industry podcast. I'm Marius Cumming. And Glenn Haynes is the Executive Officer of Shearer and Wool Handler Training with the Shearing Contractors Association of Australia. He's based in Narracourt in SA. And he says the last 12 months has certainly been challenging. Yeah, look, I think it has, um, Marius. It's been, there's a silver lining, I think, out of this COVID really is that we're actually able to train our own workforce up again and, and get a lot of young guys and girls into the sheds that probably wouldn't have had that opportunity before. So, yeah, it is really good at the moment. But there's, there has been a lot of talk, there's been a lot of concern about it. Has it sort of spurred on others to come into the industry or what, what are the observations that you've had? Yeah, I mean, it has been a real battle, especially through the spring um, in areas and, and obviously in New South Wales being their peak time um, through the autumn. It has been a struggle. But again, it, it has opened up a lot of opportunities where young fellas would have gone to into a shearing shed and they would have been put on a stand maybe for a day or two when someone got hurt, then back rouse about him, then off crutching, etc. They're actually getting to stay on the stands and, and improve and progress on to be you know fully professional shearers. So we haven't seen sheep with two years' worth of wool or even 18 months' worth of wool no. around the country, so obviously the sheep are getting shorn. Yeah, it's quite quite um, strange, really. I mean, we talk a lot about shearer shortages, um, and it obviously has been a struggle, but all the sheep got shorn in Western Australia, South Australia, Victoria and um, Tasmania last year with um, a lot of learners on stand, so it can only be get better um, with those having 12 months under their belt upcoming. So, Glenn, we talk a lot about the numbers of learners that we train in shed, and it is very significant. And the retain the retaining of those younger people um, has been the problem. Are you seeing something change in this? Are people sticking with the handpiece? Yeah, I, I think that um, again goes back to Marius. Uh, the opportunities are there for young people to jump on a stand, a shearing stand, straight away at the moment. Um, so. When they jump on a stand, you know, we're finding if they get into their third week, they're generally all shearing their first hundred in the third week. So, you know, to be able to follow them up and actually, the only way you're going to get better as a shearer is stay on a stand, not get taken off it. So those opportunities have been there. So the, the retention rates have gone up from about 30% through to around about 60 to 70% in the last 12 months, which is, yeah, it's huge. So where have people been coming from? You've been training more shearers, but where are they, where are they coming from? Yeah, look, it's um, been a different sort of year. We've had people from all walks of life. Um, again, you know, an example was we had a, a young girl from um, that uh, was done a diploma in aviation management that uh, worked for Rex Airlines in Albury, and she came along and, and did the course, and she's gone into wool handling, and she's been doing that now for six months and, and loves it. But, you know, um, there's been a fair few come out of Melbourne, Geelong sort of areas, Um and yeah, I mean, they look at shearing as an essential service, so it's not going to stop when everything else stops. Um, lots of different backgrounds. We are seeing more farmer's sons come into it, which is 
probably been lacking a bit in the last four or five years of those basic skills of being able to crutch your own sheep, you know, shear stragglers, do a mob of lambs, um, shear a mob of lambs that have got to go to market or etc. that are left over. Um, work in the shearing shed if you're a rouse about short. So there's more farmers putting their sons and that in to actually get those basic skills when they are short of someone. And wool handlers as well? I yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, look, I mean... Wool handlers are a bit different. A lot of them get trained on the job with AWI um, trainers. We send those out when they're, so they're there on the first day to support them. Um, and there is, yeah, there's a lot of people that come and sort of have a go at the shearing, work out, oh, look, it's a bit too hard for me, but this wool handling's all right and still pays well. So Craig French has been very busy. He's, yes, he's yes. been holding a lot of shearing schools across the country. Um, anyone can have a shearing school in their shed. How do you go about it? Yeah, look, I mean, it's, um, the more farmers we can get to, you know, offer up their venues, they only need 250 to 300 sheep um, to run a week course. And, I mean, they're, they're helping the industry. So that, that's about all we need, really. I mean, we supply the trainers and everything else. And, um you know, Frenchy's got a big job over there and he's, he's gone um, working really hard at getting the schools, uh, the numbers of schools um, up for 2021. Um, so I think, you know, they'll get there, but, you know, it's a, it's a bit hard when you've got an extra, you know, four million odd sheep in the state than what you did the year before. Yes, it uh, seems as though the industry is definitely on an upswing on a, on a number of fronts, which, which is fantastic. So the sort of the heart rate's been lifted in terms of training. Can you put a, a figure on roughly how many more uh, schools you've put on or the number, the number of shearers that you've trained above last year? Yeah, look, last year um, we, we ran a program of um, 12 shearing courses in Victoria and, and ran about the same in South Australia. Um, due to the numbers of people we've got interested, a lot of those courses we're going to have to double up, and we have done at um, Balmoral and up at Shepparton and, and Hamilton and Ballarat. Um, so it looks like you know we'll roughly do 21, 22 courses in Victoria this year, and it'll be 21 in South Australia just to cope with the numbers of the you know increased interest, which is fantastic. We don't want to. The one that you turn away, I mean, that could be the next Shannon Warnest or Daniel McIntyre or, you know, just a really good cocky shearer or someone that wants to go in the industry. So we really want to, while the interest's there, we want to provide a, the training for them. And after the training, as you say, is, is, is getting a stand. So how do we continue to change that culture to give learners a better go? Yeah, look, I, I think a lot of the contractors that might not have put shearers on in the past that were learners um, and some of the farmers that sort of gone away from where it used to be years ago where every fifth stand was for a learner um, to now you know not having an option other than to put a learner on and we're really hoping that a lot of the contractors and farmers see the benefits um, and you know it's a pretty rewarding to see a young guy go from zero to you know sharing 120 130 sheep every day and doing a good job so we're hoping that they sort of yeah do take that on board and, and continue to do that well, in many ways, it's a shared industry responsibility. Um, that's a bit of a, a flowery statement, but has that actually happened? I mean, do you think this is going to continue to be, or is it a, a bit of a fly in the night? That once the New Zealand shearers come back, are we going to see learners struggle to get that stand? Yeah, look, I really, I really hope we don't. I think the the contractors realise now, you know, that you know, we the borders might not open, and they can shut at any time at the drop of a hat. So, I mean, if you're prepared. And you know, build up your own workforce to how you want it to, what you need to run your business. It's no different than a panel beater or an engineer or 
a carpenter. I mean, you've got to have succession plans in place and build your own workforce. So, I mean, I hope those, you know, we don't see that. Um, yeah, I really hope that, you know, they, they sort of take on, well, you know, we put on two learners last year, let's put on two next year, let's put on two the year after. So, yeah, we, we can only time will tell. So how do we, um, I don't know, how do we bind contractors to that or how do we, do, is it Woolgrowers having to request a, a shearer on that fifth stand? How, 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 the culture, how does the culture change without it being mandated? Yeah, I, I think um, I've very rarely I'll come across a farmer, I don't know that I've ever come across any that won't put a learner on. So I think that's a conversation you know, a farmer should have with the, the contractor. They really enjoy seeing young people on stands in there and um, I think, you know, they enjoy seeing it, especially when they come back the year after and, you know, they, they were a pretty proficient sort of shearer by then and, you know, it's a pretty good journey to watch that. So it'd be great, I mean, if the farmers do push that along and I think there is government incentives now for contractors to put on on um, new workers and that sort of thing, so hopefully they take those up and, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, now obviously, again, we hope we see, they, you know, the rewards that they get by putting someone on from a learner and following them through. So late last year we had what was sort of at the time termed a bit of a crisis meeting in Dubbo of of shearing contractors uh, around New South Wales and and you thankfully joined via Zoom, which was fantastic. Uh, There was the talk of a a database of learners, but um, you say that kind of happens anyway um, in a a less formal situation by using using networks. So... um, yeah, do you see that continuing? There's no need for a formal database of learners? Yeah, look, um, I think we, we're starting to work together a bit more now. We've identified, you know, between training organisations and industry that we need to be working together a bit more on a federal level um, because the training situations are so different in each state. You know, you've got TAFEs and, and obviously different RTOs delivering and AWI doing different delivery. So we're sort of trying to get more at the table of, you know, let's share the information that's working and, you know, what's not working. And some states are allowed to hand out details, whereas other states aren't. Um, but, you know, we, we try and build a network of employers who are willing to take on the learners. Um, and obviously, you know, if they need to create an environment to put those people in that where people actually want to go and work for them. Um, but as far as, a, you know, as a database... We try and get all the, the contractors, lists, etc., and employers um, details to students at the end of courses, and basically they take their pick of where they want to go, one in their area. Yeah, and of course there's, uh, there's issues around learners working for different contractors, of course, yeah. and not being poached and what have you, so yeah. it's not, not as easy as it first seems. Now, the barriers to entry to shearing, I mean, you wouldn't think there'd be a lot, but for a young person leaving school or starting out, you know, a handpiece and... Um, combs and cutters and what have you, it can really add up. So there was some talk of uh, trying to make it formally a trade and helping people in with gear. So what, what's the situation with that? Yeah, look, so, I mean, for, for a young guy, I mean, back when I started in the shearing in the, the early 90s, when you, you turned up to work for a contract, I was lucky enough to work for Saunders. Shearing was a very big contractor back then. I mean, the contractor supplied the, the handpiece and... There was a grinder supplied and the paper supplied, etc. So it was a minimal cost to get into shearing. You only needed some combs and cutters and a couple of pairs of dungas and some moccasins and away you went. But now, you know, a, a young fella to get into shearing, by the time they, you know, they have to supply a grinder and a lot of times they've got to take shearing plants and they've got to buy a handpiece, $5,000 doesn't go anywhere. So, you know, a young bloke that's just gone out of a shearing school, he's keen to go into it, but where do they five? find you know three to five thousand dollars just to get started 
so we are working really hard at the moment on um, putting together incentives for the young guys with toolboxes to perhaps um, help them get started and that's through you know whether we do it through contractors etc and we do do vouchers for um, sharing companies to that they can get their stuff you know all their gear wholesale um, which works out pretty well too so yeah we're trying our, our hardest there and yeah we've sort of got to get the government on side a bit more there they do it for other industries and we think they should be doing it for the shearing industry as well and of course we're expecting um, a, a professional service to turn up uh, and so shearing obviously there's a there's been a cultural change there in terms of training and professionalism but on the growers side um we are starting to see some new sheds being built, a lot of new sheds, in fact. Um, are you seeing a change in that culture of uh, contractor, shearer and wool grower all working to provide a better workspace? I think we are, Marius. I think, and it's really, I think, again, it's probably a silver lining a little bit um, due to COVID with the borders being shut. I think, it, you know, some of the, the contractors and farmers have, have sort of realised, you know, like if I don't create a... A good environment where people want to come and work for me, um, then they'll go somewhere else. You know, they'll, or they'll put me at the bottom of the list. So we are seeing a good effort. There's, there's been a lot of new sheds going up, which is fantastic to see around the place. Um, obviously, in especially in the South Australia, Victoria, etc. You know, we've had good seasons now for a few years, so they're putting a bit of money back into infrastructure, which is yeah, fantastic. And uh, yeah, just a, a quick. Uh uh, a pointer to there that the safe sheds and also um, the uh, the new shed design project um, that we've spoken about before and uh, Henry Ridge managing that project very well so I suppose the big question Glenn also is so you know in a post-COVID world when everyone's vaccinated and we're all allowed to travel everywhere if this ever turns up again um, do we have a sustainable workforce yet or how reliant do you think we still will be on the on the Kiwis? Yeah, look, I mean, my answer to that, I suppose, is all the sheep in Victoria, Tasmania, Western Australia, etc., all got shorn in 2020. Um, and we had a lot of raw learners on stands. So going into 2021 with those young fellas and girls having over 12 months, you know, up, up under their belt by the time we get around to spring, um, plus another group of your learners coming through that will also, you know, that get trained at the start of the year being ready for spring with six months... It, yeah, I mean, I think we are well and truly creating our own workforce. Um, will the Kiwis be welcome to come back over when the borders all open? I'm sure they will, and a lot of them rely on that for their work and except so do contractors, it'll make it easier. But I think we've made a big, yeah, big progress really with the, you know, creating our own workforce again. Oh, it's good to see, and hopefully we we hit that equilibrium before too long. And look, I haven't mentioned the elephant in the room, Glenn. I think we probably need to do it <laughs> in terms of payment. Um, and awards, and I mean, there was a lot of talk in December about uh, things just getting way out of control in terms of way above the award and cash and all sorts of things. Uh, what's your view on that? Yeah, look, I don't think it's been a good thing for the industry at all. Um, you know, like I'm all for enterprise bargaining if you're in conditions that aren't um, up to scratch or, you know, the sheep are tough and, and everybody's dropped a fair bit in their wages because, you know, because of certain reasons of tough sheep etc i mean if, if people want to make enterprise bargaining with the farmers and contractors i mean that they're well and truly entitled to um but i don't think you know a lot of people are, are charging rates where we haven't got shearer shortages you know they, they don't want to charge a higher rate or you know areas of the southeast well you know every anything that happens after christmas is out of season so 
it's uh, of South Australia that is, but you know New South Wales, they've, they've just got you know so many more sheep have come in, and you know if that's what they've got to do, I suppose that's that's what they've got to do. It, it is a hard one, and you know does the award need to go up? You know I don't know. I mean shed hands, wool handlers probably aren't, aren't getting paid enough, but our, our shearers will. Again, I don't know, you talk to some and they reckon they're on really good money and they talk to others and they reckon they're on the bones of their bum. So, yeah, it's a hard one. Yeah, I'm sorry. To, it's a bit of a, a, bit of a curveball there. Sorry, Glenn. But what would, I mean, an easier way, I suppose, to ask it is what pointers do you have to, for both growers and contractors and shearers about how to approach it um, in the current climate? Talk about it before the shed, during the shed, and how, look, come to an agreement early on in the shearing. How do you... How do you suggest people go about it? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm obviously a contractor. I was for, you know, 18, 19 years, and, and I always found, obviously, I was, you know, had a good mentor in, in um, Morris Saunders and Lawrence Saunders, but, you know, I sort of learned a lot from them when I worked for them, but it's you need to work stuff out before you get there. There's no point giving a bill at the end of the shearing or, you know, working out what you're going to get paid if you're a shearer and you get to the end of the shed saying, look, they were worth more. Well, it's not much. You haven't got much ground to stand on, and as and I don't think any farmers like to get a bill that's got an extra $2 a head on it because an arrangement was made without leaving, without keeping them in the loop yeah. as well. It's just communication. Mm. It is hard to come to an agreement before you see the sheep too, though, and the state of the sheep yeah. and what have you. So. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, if, if you roll up and you do see the state of the sheep and the state of the sheep, you should be making that arrangement. Then you shouldn't, you know, let it get to the other end of it, I suppose, is probably what I'm trying to say. Yeah, It is hard because, I mean, sometimes you might have driven... A lot of guys might have driven four or five hundred kilometres to get to a shed to find out it's not what they thought it was too. So, again, it's all that communication, isn't it? Yeah, having having the goodwill on on each side. We yeah. we, we all need each other. So, um, yeah, finding that middle middle ground is important. Well, Glenn, um, thank you very much for joining us on the yarn. Nice to meet you in person, having <laughs> um, spoken on the phone many times. Thanks for joining us on the yarn. No worries. Thanks very much, Marius. Glenn Haynes, the Executive Officer of Shearer and Woolhandler Training with the Shearing Contractors Association of Australia. And as a former journo, what a poor performance by me. I've what they've called buried the lead, a doubling in the retention of learner shearers from 30% to 60% in the last 12 months. That is the difference that has been made, giving those learner shearers a go and giving them consistency of work. So if you're looking for a shearing school at your place, call 1800 Shears or 1800 743 277. Yes, 1800 Shears is a lot easier to remember, obviously. So if you have something you'd like us to follow up here at the yarn, please don't hesitate to get in touch via the yarn at wool.com on email, but please follow Wool Innovation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. But for now, from me, Murray is coming. Thanks for your time. <laughs>